Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. I do miss the days where the judges know where we're at as an industry and then screw a guy over to serve that narrative. I do miss the days, but they're back. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. 
Guys, what a weekend it was in Salt Lake City at UFC 291. I was really excited to be there, and boy, did the fights deliver. Coming up on today's episode, I'm going to get into everything that I saw. Plus, Kevin Holland's master class, Alex Pierre's historic performance, and guys, I'm going to run down the card. With that said, it only makes sense that we begin with the main event. Let's talk a little BMF. Michael Eves. Michael Eves was the host uh, for all the ESPN content that you saw over the weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed that. But I got to work with Michael Eves. And so I heard this. Michael Eves kept insisting. He kept insisting that Gaethje versus Poirier was going to be a number one contenders match. Now, he didn't promise it, right? Notice the word I'm using. He didn't come out. He didn't tell people this. It wasn't on his show sheet. This was him as an observer of the sport, looking at number two versus number three in a main event capacity, saying, guys, you can't tell me that the guy that wins this gets the BMF passed down to him from Masvidal himself isn't going to be shined up to a capacity of number one contender. He was completely correct. And we alluded that number of times over here at Bad Guy Inc., but it sure turned out to be true the moment they were done. I mean, Justin Gaethje grabbed that microphone with Joe Rogan. Says that he believes he gets a title shot next. And 16,000 people live in attendance co-signed that statement. Now, I, I think that it's pretty obvious in hindsight, but I'm not ready to be done with it yet. I do believe that Justin Gaethje's next fight is going to be for the world championship. The way we are currently scheduled is the next time we contest the world championship, it will not involve Justin Gaethje. How do those two things work? Well, he's going to wait. And waiting has, has very seldomly ever been a plan. In fact, I can only think of it twice in all of history that's worked out. But he's in a very different position. I think that we can agree on that. Not to mention, he could put his belt up. And that, that's a whole nother conversation where I thought that that belt was a title. I thought I thought that the entire time. But the commission says it's not. So, all I'm sharing for you, if it's not a title, you wouldn't need anybody's permission. If it's just a belt, if it's just a trophy, he quite literally could put it up. I, I share that with you. I think it's very relevant. I think it's very relevant because while you're looking at Islam, okay, Charles Oliveira has told us three times he's not going to fight him. Charles Oliveira has never told us he's going to fight him. And I have to hear from you guys in the comment section. And I love you guys. I really do. But there's a reason that I'm the professor and you're the student. Okay, let me just give you an example. Charles Oliveira three times has said he's not going to do the Islam fight in October. And I hear from you guys that he now says he's going to. You've never heard him say that. Just to correct you. You've never heard him say that. You have hearsay. You have somebody else told you that he signed an agreement and says he's going to do it. He has never told you that he's going to do it. And I'm just bringing to you, what do we do in that situation? Do we get Gagey ready in a backup spot? You know, Conor McGregor made backup spots unfashionable, which is all the more reason that Justin Gagey won't have a problem with it. Justin Gagey became the champion of the world over Tony Ferguson as a last-minute replacement. So I'm just sharing with you. He's not going to be insulted to be in a backup position. 
what happened to Volkanovsky? Okay, do you see where this gets interesting? Chael's coming in telling you Charles doesn't want the fight, then let's pull him out and put Gaethje in. That's what Chael's saying. That's not going to happen. Charles is going to stay on that poster for that fight. And whether he pulls out of the fight or he misses weight the day before, it's a very good idea to have somebody there to do what he said he's not. And I'm keeping my deal, Gabriel Checo. I'm not putting your guy at all. I don't mean to. I think Charles is fantastic. But I would be calling, right? I have this deal with Gabriel Checo. I can't speak bad of Charles anymore. If I say that Charles is going to do the fight, does that make me sound like a nicer guy? Because if I say that, then I just called him a liar. And I can't think of a bigger insult to call somebody. If I tell you that Charles Oliveira is going to fight Islam in October on Fight Island, I just called Charles a liar. Because he said three times he's not. So the point I'm attempting to make for you, if Justin Gaethje's next fight is for the belt, if that's true and Charles does show up in Fight Island, if that is also true, what just happened to Volkanovski? And that's where things get really interesting. And, I mean, hear me out. Hear me out, guys. What if Charles does fight? What, what, what if he does fight Islam? And what if both Volk and... Gaethje, right? And don't forget, you're dealing with a very different mentality here. This is not a situation of what would you do, or what have you seen other guys do. There is nobody like Volkanovsky. There is nobody like Justin Gaethje. What if they both say, hey, I'm not going to train, I'm not going to get licensed, and I'm not going to fly out for a backup spot. I would do it for a fight, though. I will fly out there. I'm Justin Gaethje talking. I will fly out there, and I will fight Volkanovsky. And if Charles doesn't show up, one of we can flip a coin and one of us slides in. If he does show up, then we'll just fight each other. We'll take the whole paycheck, not just part of it. You're now having a very different conversation. And I also don't suggest for you that that's the direction that we're going. I'm just suggesting for the first time ever, we've got a little bit of a log jam. We haven't had a 55-pounder speak up. And the reason they haven't spoken up is they've been told Charles is next and after that is Volk. There's nothing to speak up to. There's no opportunity there. I mean, you got you got the top guys trying to go get Conor McGregor to come out and do something. Just by example, there's no opportunity based on what they've been told for a world title fight. Well, there is now. I mean, there's either no opportunity whatsoever. Just go ahead and change divisions, right? If we're going to give it to Charles... A quarter of a year from now, and then we're gonna we're gonna wait another six months and and give it to Volk as planned, and then six months after that we're gonna get Gaethje in there, who certainly has earned it. Change divisions. If you're a 55 pounder with a goal of being world champion, leave the division, get to 45 or man up to 70. Versus Alex, right? The greater good was served. I do miss the days where the judges know where we're at as an industry and then screw a guy over to serve that narrative. I do miss the days, but they're back. They were back on Saturday. <laughs> like There was no reasonable world where Alex Pierre won that fight. 
And that's not Chael's opinion, that's math. He lost rounds one and three. He did not have a 10-8 in round two, and if he did, he would have got what's known as a draw, which is not what he was given. He was given a loss. Oh, and by the way, this isn't just my opinion. This is the opinion of 16,000 people that were there live that had what we call skin in the game, meaning they paid money to be there. It's the opinion of every contender at 205 pounds who thought they were going to get the winner, and now they realize, no, I'm getting the loser. Well, I'm getting the guy that lost the fight but won the decision. Oh, and by the way, it's also the opinion of a licensed judge who sat ringside. It was a split decision. Look, I'm just sharing with you. It was wrong. It wasn't a robbery. I, I have seen worse. It was wrong. And there is nothing by the numbers that could get you to the conclusion that Alex won. You could look at takedowns. You could look at attempts. You could look at strikes. You could look at kicks. You could look at defense and see who slipped more punches. There was nothing by the numbers that could get you to a belief that Alex won. So the reason I bring that up and the reason I brought it up with tongue-in-cheek to tell you was for the greater good. The judges factored in a criteria, and they're known to do this, it's just not within the rules, of fatigue. Jan Blahovitz was exhausted and Alex was not. Jan Blahovitz could not move. And Alex could. Jan Blahovitz with his hand raised, in no scenario does Dana White come out and say, I'm going to take that man who couldn't finish three rounds and I'm going to put him in a five-rounder. It just wasn't going to happen. Now with Alex, takes a little bump here from me, takes a little bump from you, gets booed by 16,000. By the end of this week, that will be a distant memory. And he will only be remembered as the guy who beat Jan Blahovitz. That's it. I don't fault Alex. I've been on both sides of those. Lost some that I should have won and won some that I should have lost. I've been on both sides of it. It's just the way our sport goes. But Alex is a very good opponent, X's and O-Y's, for Jamal or for what by rumor, is more likely going to be Prohaska. I mean, a real stand-up battle against Prohaska, and Prohaska will not break that. He's just, he's got, he's too stubborn, too stubborn, too courageous, too good. The X's and O's really are very awesome to see that fight. So I think that that's the position that we're going to be in. I don't know where Jan Blahovich goes from here. Jan Blahovich very quietly has surpassed 40 I believe he has surpassed 41, but I mean, he did that very quietly. Like, I remember when he was fighting Glover Teixeira and things like that, that Glover was the old man and the more youthful. Sharon Frey, he's, he's older than you might think. And to reach that level of exhaustion, I'm not sure I'm not impressed with him. I mean, the, the altitude in Salt Lake is a very, very real thing. We have seen guys fold. We have seen guys less tired than yawn not be able to finish a match. Jan is so exhausted he can't even move. Oh, by the way, he finished the match in top position, holding a world champion down. You want to look at Alex Pierre, guys. He's an amateur. Alex Pierre is an amateur. At least by record. At least by experience. I believe his fight with Jan marked his seventh time in the octagon. I believe. I'm also well aware that I could miss one. 
that's an amateur's record. That that amateur just beat his second world champion, and that amateur was just a world champion, and that amateur, I believe, will be named number one contender for a world championship at his second weight class. That amateur that I speak of, and he is an amateur by record, for sure, is eligible for the Hall of Fame. What would happen if Piera wins the light heavyweight belt? Because, guys, I think that will probably be contested this year. Probably. Imagine it does, though. Imagine they get that done before January 1st. That will mean that Piero was the champion of the world this year, in 2023, in two different weight classes. There's nobody that can touch that. There's nobody that's going to come along and do that. You could argue him for fighter of the year at that point, and you have a hard time looking away. And as soon as he gets that belt, we move him right to heavyweight, and we start talking about the John Jones match. I mean, that, that, that's been the plan for a while. It was just Adesanya's plan. Right now, they, they just flip. You take the same blueprint, right? You still build the house. Just got to switch a couple of the pieces. I'm just sharing with you. I mean, it really, it really is a very special thing. And I, I realize that that jumped into a, a couple of different spots. But what, what Alex Pierre is pulling off, right? And there's a blueprint to beat him. That blueprint was shown on Saturday. But that doesn't mean it will exist the next time that he gets in there. Because as much as we all saw that you can take him down and hold him there, when you get him down, you must have wrist control. If you don't have wrist control, he posts and stands back up, right? I mean, that's the key that everybody missed. You don't just take him down and you're done. You take him down, you get his wrist, you pull it to his waist, and then you're done. But as much as we've all seen that, he has two now. As much as we all know this to be true, he does two now. As much as we've identified it, his coaches have two now. And an athlete of that ability and of that drive and of that work ethic can certainly get in the gym and fix some of these things. I mean, look, Alex Pierre, I call him an amateur. He's got amateur skills. He's got one way to win a fight, which is to beat you with the punches and the kicks. He can't outposition you. He can't pass your guard. He can't hit you with any type of submission. He's got one way to win, and he has seven fights. He's an amateur that might be fighter of the year, and if he stopped right now, might go into the Hall of Fame. Guys, the number one question I get asked all the time, what's the most important habit you can build on to be successful? You know what my answer is? Sleep. I am no sleep expert, but I can tell you that for myself, I perform at my optimum level mentally and physically when I'm getting regular deep sleep. And honestly, that hasn't always been easy. This is where Momentous Sleep Pack comes in. Momentous experts created a natural ingredient combination that will help you fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up refreshed. The ingredients are so clean that they're used by the best Olympians, pro athletes, and college teams. Momentous Sleep Pack has every certification under the sun, including being NSF certified. I usually take a pack 30 minutes before bed and boom, I wake up feeling like a million bucks. If you're having trouble sleeping and it's affecting your daily performance, I highly recommend Momentous Sleep Pack. 
designed by the world's best experts, used by the world's best teams and athletes, and made for all of us, guys. Go to livemomentous.com. Use the promo code CHAIL. That's going to get you 20% off your first order. That's livemomentous.com and use the promo code CHAIL. Guys, this was this was one of the feature matches for me from the undercard. And I get asked that question. Like ESPN will actually ask you ahead of time, what match are you most looking forward to? And that was a hard one to say, by the way. I mean, what's an undercard on top of that? It's supposed to mean anything in our industry that isn't part of the pay-per-view card. I get that. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it is for me. I, I got main and co-main, at least within my own mind, and everything else is underneath it. I share that uh, with you only from the perspective of, of not thinking you have to come out and correct me of the placement of the matches. I thought that, that, that Tony's match was undercard. I thought that Kiesa's match, and I knew that that was going to be a, a dogfight, was undercard. I had Wonder Boy at one point, and then you got Derek Lewis. I chose Derek Lewis. One, because it's the Black Beast. Who doesn't like Derek Lewis? But he was taken on Peizau. Peizau was part of our team on the Ultimate Fighter Brazil Season 3. And he's the only man left standing. And he's tougher than hell, by the way. So for me, and I, I'm only telling you that because I don't know if that was one that really bounced on your guys' radar. I'm sharing why it did for me. I'm sharing for you why I paid extra close attention. All right. Now, this is a situation of what a difference a day makes. Okay? Let me take you to Friday at 9 a.m. Friday at 9 a.m., Derek Lewis was the fourth fight of the night. No, I don't mean of the pay-per-view card. I mean of the night. He was a curtain jerker. Buried on the undercard at 9 a.m. on Friday. At 11 a.m. on Friday, it became official that Pierre had missed weight. He weighed in at 175 pounds for a 170-pound plus a one-pound allowance. Agreed upon weight for Wonderboy Thompson. And Wonderboy said, no, I'm not going to do it. So when that match was scrapped, Derek Lewis, who was fourth of the night, buried on the undercard, not only goes to the main card, he didn't open the show, he wasn't even the second one of the show. He was third from the top. He comes out with a flying knee. He ends up with a finish. He takes the shorts off. He cuts a promo. It, the building had never been louder that night. And I understand the statement I just made because they contested the BMF belt. They had George Masvidal, the second biggest draw in the entire industry, only behind Conor McGregor. Nobody got the pop that Derek Lewis did when he interviewed with Joe Rogan. It was a very special report. It was a special moment. The balls are hot. The fans knew it was going. It was Derek. It's one of those things. It was a 300-pound heavyweight that jumped through the air, did a flying knee. It was one of those things. It was as close to scripted perfect as you can get, but it was supposed to be buried on the undercard. The pop from the crowd wasn't going to happen. The interview with Joe Rogan probably wasn't going to happen. I watched all the undercards, and Joe only got in there two times. He didn't go interview absolutely everybody. I'm just sharing with you. Then it gets revealed to us that that was Derek's last fight. He fought out his contract. That is not something that the organization appreciates. 
right? Because now you're playing checkers. They don't play checkers at UFC. They play chess. And what do I mean? They're just two and three steps ahead. If you got Derek Lewis and it's his last fight, there's no point in building him up if that ROI is going to go elsewhere. Because of the wonder boy, Pierre, weight debacle, scratch and cancellation, Derek Lewis goes fourth from the bottom to third from the top. At a time when he puts on his most picturesque, greatest performance ever. And that includes the entertainment side of it, of talking to the wife, dropping the shorts, cutting a promo with Rogan. It was awesome. It was simply awesome. And when Derek said, I'm a free agent, now we've all got to sit around and go, well, how did we get to this point? Like, how did I become a free agent? When there's one fight left is when he gets re-signed. So there was something there that he didn't like. Oh, by the way, he bet on himself. Oh, by the way, betting on yourself when you're coming off a slew of losses, I don't know that I buy that. I know that's the way the story is being told. I don't know that I buy that. I think they didn't offer him a contract. I think he was not offered an extension. They were going to let him go. That's what I think. I don't think he became a free agent out of gamesmanship. I think they were ready to say goodbye to the beast. And I don't say any of that to embarrass or insult or put him down. It's quite the opposite. I am telling you what was at stake versus what happened to go out and to perform in those circumstances is a wildly difficult thing to do, but he did. 80% of success is just showing up. That's a true expression. I just don't know if it's any truer on display for the world to see than it is in this sport. We have so many guys that miss opportunities because they don't show up. Derek was not in a good spot being fourth from the bottom at all. He could have won. He could have done everything that he just did and won, and we're not sitting here talking about him today because nobody would have watched it. Derek Lewis thanks his trainers. He gave a shout-out to Chael P. Mentioned his wife. Talked about his nutrition, his six-pack. Derek Lewis needs to thank one person, and that person is wonderful. think i mean look i realize the golden rule is the show must go on i'm aware of that i'm aware that my own hypocrisy apparently knows no bounds because i stand with steven i stand with thompson on this one thompson made a statement he said i hope that my actions will preclude somebody in the future from missing weight i like it it was condescending. It's what you would say to a six-year-old. I thought it was beautiful. I really did. you you got to understand a couple of things, Kay. W Wonder Boy and Bo Nickel, there were some, some massive comparisons. Like, there's things from an entertainment or the sport's got a little bit of edge. There's some things from a standpoint that you might want to change. They're not going to do it. And you want to know why? Because they were raised properly. Stephen Thompson is not going to come out and start cursing and start making demands and start throwing people under the bus because his father raised him not to. 
The exact same reason that Bo Nickel is not going to come out and start naming names and using profanity and showing up and throwing water bottles. Even if it would be good for his career, he's not going to disrespect his father who raised him differently. And I'm just bringing that to you because it's the truth. Look, Wonderboy Thompson has gone in every single fight he's had with an advantage. And the advantage was just a skill set that nobody else knew. Competitive, full contact, point karate. What other mixed martial artists have teased, have laughed at, have dismissed. He knew. He embraced. He sacrificed for. I tell you that because this fight was very different. Having that awkward style and having an understanding of karate and taking on an opponent who does the same thing. Now, physically, we won't know. We didn't see them fight. But mentally and emotionally, do you guys understand this fight was different? This fight was different. And you take on a guy from that same community, I'm just sharing with you, the stakes have now changed. The audience doesn't see that. It's not promoted that way. There's no headlines. It's all internal, but it's there nonetheless. So when you have an opponent that doesn't make weight, what do you do? And the general consensus amongst you guys is what difference does it make? It's four pounds. I don't disagree with you, but guess what? Neither is Stephen Thompson. That's not what this was about. This was about an honor and a respect that goes deeper than just this organization. It goes back to our roots, and you and I both know the deal, and you and I both know you can't do it. I mean, listen, if I was fighting somebody and they missed weight and I'd been in this position, the show goes on, I understand that. I would feel very different if that person was a wrestler. As wrestlers, we don't miss weight. As fighters, they miss weight all the time. All the time. But the fighters are nowhere near as disciplined and or as tough as wrestlers. Wrestlers will, will weigh in every single Friday night for an entire season. And never miss weight. Not only will they not miss, they won't even see anybody miss. You won't even hear the words miss. It never happens. Broadstroke. Fighters got to do it three times a year and can't make the damn weight. I, I, I am sharing for you, if I was in Wonder Boy's spot and I was taking on a fellow wrestler, it would bother me in a different way. It bothered him in a different way. And that way, by the way, is not an advantage that you have. The way that I speak to is the respect and the code. And if you're going to break this one, what else are you going to do that's against the agreement? It's a mind trick. It's a mess. And why should you have to walk into an environment like that when he's the one that caused it? I'm just sharing for you. It's a tough spot. That match got scrapped, and I don't know what they're going to do with it moving forward. I know what I hope. I don't get what I hope, by the way. I don't, old Chael doesn't get his way very often. You know what I hope? I hope they do that same fight. They just move it a month. I'd be fine if they did it in Boston, quite frankly. I'd like to see those same two guys. Hey, Pierre, how, how much time do you need to get those four pounds off? Can we do a pound a week? Can we see you in Boston? Maybe not. Kick the can down the road. Maybe the calendar doesn't open up. Maybe there's not a spot. I'm just sharing for you. I would like to take that same match and do it again. I, I don't see any reason to split those two up. And if you were to split them up, I'm going to come to the interpretation that you're doing that to punish Stephen Thompson, who did break the golden rule. He stopped the show from going on. He did do that. Why should he be punished? Why would we punish him? 
I mean, what what are you mad about? You 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 mad about the, the Wonder Boy who's followed every rule in the history of rules and then some wanted to continue to follow the rules? I mean, that's what we're mad about. We're mad that he wanted to do things right. I'm just yeah, sharing for you. It's a, it's a it's a very different perspective. Now, I don't know if you guys could hear that. My partner Ryan just weighed in. He said, "Hey, how's the pay work?" I don't know how much I want to answer that question. I will tell you what the situation is. And the situation is, I don't know if I want to answer that question. I'll tell you the situation. The situation is they've offered $30,000 for his time. Now, I think you're going to be able to see all sides of that, right? Imagine that you had a plan for a job to be done. It could be anything. It could be your repair a chimney at your house. I mean, it could literally be anything. You have a very clear plan. You do what you said you were going to do, but at the end of the day, the chimney isn't there, but the guy would still want paid. And you kind of go, well, boy, we don't we don't have the chimney the way we plan, but I do see that you got the bricks, and I see you got the mortar, and I see you're here, and I see you didn't schedule somebody else in the truck, and you brought your work. I mean, right, it's one of these situations where if you have the money, maybe we don't quite follow Maybe we don't quite follow a hard business line. Maybe maybe we could share a little bit. Where I, where I come to you is this. And, and let me disclose. I'm very close with the nutritional and strength and conditioning side of Wonder Boy's camp, Tyler Minton. Now, Tyler has never shared inside information with me. I just shared that with you. But I do know how Tyler works. And I do know how those camps work, which is some kind of an agreement that is usually attached to your pay, some type of a percentage agreement. There are other members of the camp that won't be, uh, sparring partners, just by example, right? Right here. Every round you do, here's your, here's your money, here's your cash, end of the night. I don't know what Wonder Boy's agreement is with this team, but whether he offered them a percentage or he offered them a flat rate, it was still to come out of the earnings that he was going to get, and now that work is done. Those guys traveled, those guys trained, those guys prepared, those guys sacrificed, those guys did their job. And the situation we're at with Wonder Boy is, hey, we would like to give you $30,000 for your participation. And I, I just bring that to you to where I don't know where that will go, but those things can really affect a lot of things. And it puts you in a very tough spot. You want to be there for the team. You want to support the team. You want to take the 20% and let the team know they just got a bonus. It's, it's what you want to do. There's also a code, and we don't know what Wonder Boy's past is. And he is too polite to the point I was attempting to make earlier through the honor that his father taught him about keeping your mouth closed. We'll never know. I mean, let me just let me just give you guys an example. I'm making this up, but Wonder Boy goes out. Everything's going swimmingly in his career. Wonder Boy breaks into the top ten. Wonder Boy breaks into the top five. Wonder Boy is close to being a number one contender. Wonder Boy has a big fight. The guy doesn't make weight. It bothers him. It keeps him up at night. He agrees to do it. He's going to do it anyway. He can't get it out of his head. For whatever reason, this is eating away at him. He goes out there. He performs poorly. He loses. The guy that broke the rule advances. He stumbles down and he swears to God to himself, I will never make that mistake again. Fast forward to last week. He's confronted with the exact same situation. Do I learn from the lessons of the past, or do I let somebody who violated a written and sworn agreement into a cage with me? It's, a, it's an interesting situation. I hope that they do the rematch, but I will tell you, I stand with Wonder Boy.
Holland. Oh my goodness. Kevin Holland. Guys, going into this card over the weekend, and I don't know if I've ever seen anything where the pressure was higher on more guys. And I could start at the top of the bill. Dustin and Justin are interchangeable for number one contender any way you want to do it. Anyway, anytime, short notice, long notice, this guy's champ, this guy's the champ, this guy comes back. Any way you want to do it, you can put Dustin or Justin in. If Justin lost, he won't return to that conversation. Now, if Dustin loses, everything's fine. But these guys are one and one. I mean, the, the, the one thing that's come out of this weekend that's weird, just historically speaking, is that nobody's talking about rubber match. And I don't know that they would go to a rubber match. I'm just telling you, historically speaking, it would be suggested. And there was so much respect given to those two fighters specifically that I think that's what precluded anybody from even bringing up the rubber match. Hey, no, onward. Onward with these guys. Something bigger. All right, come down off of that fight. Jan Blahovich might be the best 205-pounder in the world. He might be, but he's also 41. If he doesn't win, he will never be discussed for a championship again. Oh, by the way, when his contract comes up, he's going to get released. If he doesn't win, right, that's just, that's just what happens when you're over 40. We understand these things. Tough. Tough stuff. Derek Lewis goes out there and fights and reveals to us it's his last fight. Now, what you guys misunderstood is thinking that Derek played hardball and bet on himself. He did not. He wasn't offered a contract extension. That's the real story there. So, big deal, right? Had he lost that fight, the extension that he already wasn't offered, right? I mean, you see... Right? It's an interesting spot. Getting a deal done with a guy that's that's done as much and is in his position and cost as much, right? It's a really hard thing to do. But when a rival organization just signed Francis Ngano, who has no opponent, all of a sudden a guy like Derek Lewis' value starts to go up just to keep him in a certain position. But that was still riding on it. Tony Ferguson, six in a row going into this, didn't go his way. But those were the best six guys in the world. And it's just a high-pressure situation. We understand that. And Kevin Holland and Kiesa. And that's the one that I just want to speak to you guys for. That could have gone either way. If you watch the fight, you could chill. Come on, that's not a fair thing to say. That was pretty dominant. Well, yeah, Holland looked great. Holland has always had a problem being taken down. And this is a much deeper philosophy. And I didn't know if we were ever going to get him here. Okay. The great grapplers, and it can be any of them, the greats go to the ground. That's true. But the misconception is that they go to guard. The greats do great work on top. From Damian Maya to Jake Shields to George St. Pierre, the greats in MMA grapplers get on top. And K 
Kevin Holland has respected that sport of jujitsu, his coach, Travis Luter, so much that he's wanted to do it and show guard, and he's conceded top position, and it has cost him time and time again. Not only did Kevin Holland defend the takedowns of an excellent wrestler, Kevin Holland got on top. It's a whole other game. If you know submissions and you can get on top, you're a handful. Kiesa's had problems in the past, specifically with a Darce choke. And Kevin Holland's, Holland's arms are so long that it's a big problem, right? There's, there's certain moves. How do you stop that move? And the answer is stay out of it in the first place. And it's annoying to hear. And it's almost a joke and you laugh. You laugh through your tears of frustration. But it's still the truth. Like there's some moves they don't have counters for. I can show you how to defend a Darce choke, but I can tell you before I even get to the defense that if it happens in the first round when you're dry and not sweaty, your likelihood of getting out are limited. So you have a guy like Kevin Holland that goes out there. He clearly studied Kiesa. He has told us that he's going to work on his wrestling defense. I hate that. I hate it. I didn't want him to do it. Went out to the AKA to work with Daniel Cormier, but he only spent a week. Okay, I can live with it. I can live with it because nothing's going to happen in that week. You want to get good at wrestling defense, you purely work on wrestling offense. Don't ever work on defense. Don't ever work on a sprawl. Don't ever work on a side wizard and hand fighting. Where the head goes, pressure in the back, control with your hips. Guys, I'm not being literal, but I'm, I'm being pretty close. I'm being 90-10 literal. You want to get good at wrestling defense, work 90% wrestling offense. Go take the other guy down. You won't ever have to worry about being taken down. It's what Kevin Holland did. It was a big surprise. So where do we go from here? What does it mean? Well, Kevin Holland grabs the microphone, burns the house down, tells everybody he's taking himself back up to 185. I was going to do it, guys. I was going to give you the quote. I chickened out. I chickened out. I don't think that I should give you the quotes. I think you can only get it from him. He's going to take himself back up to 185. I'm sticking with it. I like him at 185. He's too tall for 170, and he's hurting himself. There was, there was a fight recently where Kevin Holland, like fight week, said, hey, can we do it at 175? The guy said no. And Kevin's like, well, I don't care. I can make 170 anyway. Like he just blew right past it, but I stored it away. And it will cut down on your years. You would be stunned how few people that you've seen fight retired because of the fighting. They retired because of the scale. And nobody has ever come out and told you that. I'm retiring because I don't want to do the work that it takes to get here. That, But that's the truth. It is a fight. It is a battle. You think a guy fights three times a year? He competes three times a year. He is fighting nonstop. He's hungry. He's cannibalizing his own body. He's burning so many calories and he can't take them in. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. Good for Kevin Holland for acknowledging it and doing it now. I'm proud of him. And within that fight, Kiesa was returning after a two-year layoff. That was a comeback fight. I did not expect the best Michael Kiesa. I did pick Michael Kiesa. But I was well aware, having done comebacks myself, it, it, it's not the best of you. Kiesa took his gloves off after the fight, which signifies retirement. Now... Henry Cejudo took his fight, his gloves after his last fight. There ended up being a back and forth over a coat, and he changed his mind before they got the microphone to him. 
So Kiesa took his gloves off, and there ended up not being a microphone for him, and he took the gloves and walked out of the back. So I had to go to Danny Rubenstein. I had to go right to Kiesa's uh, manager. I said, Rue, what's going on here? I saw those gloves come off. He said, no. He said, Chael, pure, pure coincidence. He said he was just just something to do, getting those back to the commission so he could move on. He said he, he wasn't considering retirement. And I think that's right. I don't think you, that when you come back after two years that you should hold yourself to a very specific standard, particularly when you're caught in one position that nobody else could have gotten out of either. So I just kind of wanted to bring that full circle. Kevin Holland made the very much the right decision. Kevin Holland also didn't get taken down for the first time. Kevin Holland didn't concede that position. As a matter of fact, he went and got on top himself. It was amongst Kevin's great performances. It was the right decision to go 185 pounds, and it was the right decision by Michael to Chiesa to chalk that up to first time back. Keep those gloves, because you're going to need them next time. Trying to, I, I'm trying to give this to you from my perspective, okay? I'm live. I am live with ESPN on the desk. I'm working with Anthony Smith. Anthony is upset. He's upset that Conor McGregor has taken to Twitter and has called out Justin Gaethje. He has ignored USADA. He has ignored Michael Chandler. He has ignored his team, his fans, his promoters, who he promised everybody it would be Chandler. And he did it right after a pay-per-view to try to steal attention away from guys. This is Anthony talking. He's stealing attention away from guys. <laughs> Anthony brought it to, to ESPN. I didn't know Connor had tweeted that out. I'm sure the Twitter sphere was was lit up. Anthony was so upset because he thought it was so disrespectful to Michael Chandler. He also thought it was disrespectful to Justin Gaethje because he believes that Gaethje just became the number one contender. So once he got to fight, fight a car, it was just this interesting spot where I'm going, Anthony, we're giving him exactly what he wants. But And I bring that to you because that's funny. We still have to deal with it. Anthony is 100% right. Even if he gave a guy a plug, knowing all the guy wanted was a plug, he's still right. We've got to deal with it. What do you want to do with Conor McGregor? So Gush, Justin Gaethje tells him he can take his ID and he can F off. He tells him he can shove it up his... He tells him this. This is real. Now, that's just a negotiation, right? <laughs> Telling him you don't want it is just a way of trying to get it. Ignoring the girl is just a way of trying to get the girl's attention. But what do you do from there? I mean, do we chalk it up to great job, Connor? Here he is pulling the strings. Everybody knows what he's doing. It used to be we took it real. It used to be we thought it was true. Now we know it's nothing more than an attention grab. But what do you do? It worked. I'm here now. I would love to see Connor fight for the BMF. That's true. There's no fight I want to see more for Connor than Michael Chandler. That's true. 
Justin Gaethje is going to need something to do aside from Islam. Giving Justin Gaethje Islam, which he just earned and just called for, is a problem. Because we already told the world Charles is doing it. Chael's telling you he's not, but we've told the world Charles is doing it. We've told the locker rooms and the media that Volkanovski goes next if Volk beats Rodriguez and if Islam beats Charles. Well, half of that's already done. And the other half is a four and a half to one spread at DraftKings right now. Let's just say that gets done. If we then say Gaethje gets to go, okay, we just moved the nearest opportunity. Things always change in this sport. Don't think you have to correct me. But if we're going to do that, if we're not only going to go one in ahead, which is what we always do, and as of late, we've actually gone two ahead. Now, that's, that's brand new. We don't do it very often. But Volk and them, and they had this weird deal, and there was this issue with USADA, and the nurse came in, and the ISO, things got worked out, and promises got made. We have never in the history of the organization gone three ahead. It's never happened. But if we give Justin Gaethje what he wants, that's exactly the position we're going to be in. It's going to be a first time ever, and frankly, it's a unique spot, and I don't think any of us have a problem with it. But you want to know who will? The entire rest of the roster. You, you are moving... An opportunity to almost 2025 if you do this. Now, how do you change this? Well, Charles ain't showing up in the first place, and if it does, doesn't make a bit of difference, at least according to DraftKings, and then you got Volkanovsky ready to go. Which means business as usual, and not to mention you owe Islam one. Islam's only done one this year, you owe him three. You're gonna get two in. You're gonna have to turn him around pretty quick or be in default of contract. That really solves this as well with right with Volk because it might also put him in a backup position. But you got to do something special with Justin, not to mention he's now the champion, and that could be where Conor McGregor comes in. Now, I'm not predicting for you that it's Justin versus Conor. It's not even what I want. I want Chandler versus Conor. I'm using the Conor example to prove to you you have a problem. You have a problem in that you have three guys and you are going to kill the morale of an entire division. And not only that, you're going to kill the morale of this division if you allow their champion to go back up here. We've already accepted that we're going to do that in its unique circumstance and he kept his mouth shut when his opponent cheated in Perth. So that is what we're going to do. But I can't kick the can to 2025 and kill all the boys in the back that have like dreams. I also can't tell Justin no because he earned it. So what do I do? I give him something else that he wants. What is that? And that is where I am inserting Connor, but I don't mean Connor. It needs to be something. It needs to be something big. Something and something big is a rematch of what we just saw. And history would call for the trilogy. History would call for the rubber match. But Dustin did it. Justin did it. Neither did the media. Neither did you. So that's not the direction we're going. So what is it? What is it? What do you do? This is a problem, guys. I mean, th th this is a problem that we've never had. You guys think Chael's so smart. I appreciate when you say that. If I was to be real candid with you, I'm just good at remembering the past. I'm a historian. So any situation that we have, I, without any research, phone a friend or the use of Siri, 
can tell you what we did in the past. And then I can also evaluate and tell you if that was the right decision or the wrong as a way of guessing what we're going to do in this situation. We have never had three. We never should have had Charles. This, nev this never should have happened. When he said three times, I'm not doing it, we should have said, great, but we didn't. So we got Charles. Okay, We have a deal with the number one fighter on earth, Volkanovsky. And now we have a request by a BMF champion who might be the grittiest son of a bitch to ever step in that cage. If we say yes to all three, and we've already said yes to two, if we say yes to all three, we kill the morale of an entire division until 2025. It's a unique spot. So how are you going to solve that? These are great problems to have. Doesn't matter if you're the promotion, doesn't matter if you're the athlete, doesn't matter if it's us and it's the fans. We're in a wonderful spot. We got some real talking points here, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be addressed all the same. So what would you do? And moreover, if you're Michael Chandler, how long are you going to put up with the BS? Mathematically, Michael Chandler, who's a prize fighter, who's a father, who's a husband, who has sacrificed, who works hard, who's a good guy, he's a good person. You don't get to say that all the time. You want to say it all the time, but we don't get to. He's one of the good guys. And mathematically, he has agreed to go this year without a paycheck. But he went to work every day. Tough spot. So at what point does he realize it's been a year? And do we start to realize that around January of next year? Every single day that goes by, he's six months in a best-case scenario without a paycheck. Every day that goes by, the Connor's not in the pool. He's six months in a best case without a paycheck. He now has the opponent who's given his word to the world calling out somebody else. What do you do? What do you do in that spot? Tough one. I don't have the answer. But it seems like you got some pretty good options. Somebody needs to be the backup for Fight Island. Charles says he's not going to do it. And even when Charles says he is going to do it, you don't know if he's going to make weight and go out and do it. I mean, not for nothing. Somebody needs to be in that spot. You got a 45-pounder sitting here and nobody's calling him out. One, because he's a killer. But two, there's just a coach. You don't call out smaller guys. Well, call him out. He's coming to your division. Call him out. We can solve a problem real fast. You got Gaethje and Volkanovski. Let's put them together. We take them off the board. Put Chandler in here in a backup spot against Oliveira. I mean, I'm just saying, there's a number of ways to skin the cat. I'm asking you what you would do. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And a huge thank you to everyone who tuned in over the weekend and watched me on the desk at ESPN. I'm really looking forward to more of that in the future. And I hope that you are looking forward to another podcast on Friday. Because I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.